money. I don't have your money. I know I'd be a lot happier with some extra cash. Is this about money? Oh, man, we got bills to pay, buddy. <laughs> Obviously, this is all about money. I got to talk to you about money. With practical tips and a focus on scripture, let's talk money with Dave and Reb from More Than Enough, the financial show that speaks to the heart of your money story. Real conversations about money for real people. Let's talk money. Are you ready to talk money, Reb? I'm ready to talk money. I won't even say anything about that's great that you love to talk money in this show because it's the show where we talk about the hard issues about money. You just did. Oh, I did. You're right. It's great. I'm ready to talk money and you can say it every week. That's great. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate I'm I'm well rested today, so I'm ready to... Lots of people I'm finding don't want to talk about money. It's taboo subjects as we were talking this morning. I'm like, who wouldn't want to talk about money? Well, lots of people. That's why we do the podcast. That's, that's why we, we have this show, because okay. it, it our hope is, is that it will get you to start having some conversations around money. Yes. Uh, if you didn't know, part of our drive, part of my drive as a communicator, and I don't communicate well all the time. I try. But communication is a tricky thing. We want you to start talking about money with your kids, with your neighbors, with your, and not, not like, well, how much do you spend on that? Just, you know, saying, you know, are you, you know, are you guys, are you, how, how are you guys doing? Has it COVID been hard on you financially? Like, you know, it's a personal thing and it's a hard discussion to have, but as you build relationship with people, you can ask, gently ask some of those questions to, you know, if you really care. I mean, I guess if you're asking to find out, what the Joneses are making so you can compare yourself to them. That's not so good. I suppose your heart has to be right when you communicate with Bo about money, but no, you don't think no, so. I just think that sometimes the first step is kind of like riding a bike. You just get on and you start doing the thing. You're going to fall down. You know, like, you know, in a sense, I know it, it, you'll stumble over the words when stumble, you ask your neighbor. You're going to yeah. say the wrong mm-hmm. thing. You probably will have a fight or two, but you keep at it because <laughs> the reality is, is, is it's worth it. It's worth to, and when we're talking about communicating about money, especially when it's with you and your spouse, um, and, and we've, we've had this uh, conversation in other podcasts, you know, our desire, our goal, and, and the reality of what we see is, is when we get to talk about money and, and it, dr- it moves people to a greater sense of unity together. Yes. Unity with your spouse, unity with your community, maybe. Again, if, if you're not married, doesn't mean, oh, I can't. You know, unity with yourself and your community and saying, listen, the, the, the way that I interact with money, I can actually be drawn closer to my community. I can be actually drawn closer to my spouse. I can be drawn closer to God. Yeah, I, I mean, and we're not even talking about this today, but somehow we're on this track because that's part of our desire is to see the community engaging in money, not with judgment, but in genuine conversation. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you guys a suggestion and then we're actually going to get into what we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. Which actually is a part of what we, I guess it'll be. I'm thinking of my cousin long ago. She went to Brazil. She was a missionary to learn the language. She'd go to five or six or 10 places and she'd say something in Spanish or yeah, mm-hmm. Spanish, Spanish, no yeah. Portuguese. Portuguese. Um, and she'd say, she'd say something like, I'm learning the language. Can I come and talk to you every day? And can you help me? Can you correct me in just everyday language? And that's how she learned the language. Actually, our friend in Italy had done the same thing. And 
you know, you could say to your neighbor, okay, I'm, I'm listening to this podcast and they're encouraging us to talk about money. So I want to learn how to talk about money. So I'm going to ask you a question. Would you be willing to talk to me about money? Like, once a week or so, you know, and then you ask a question like, you know, do you think groceries are going, are getting really expensive? What do you think about that? Or, or, or are you worried about money or, you know, I just something that you're curious about. And I know it sounds silly, but you can choose some friends or neighbors or family to say, can we learn how to talk about money? So it doesn't become the, isn't this subject that's taboo in our world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, anyway, that's my idea. But that's not what we're talking about today. And you haven't even told us who's sponsoring the show. Um, you're right. I haven't told us. And these people talk about money all, all the, the time. time. They're, they're, and I was just going to say, in light of that little little challenge from Reb, um, you know, you want to talk to people that maybe have uh, a little bit of openness on money. Maybe there's somebody that, that you've seen has done money well, and you, you kind of pick that person. Our good friends at Crosspoint Financial, Brent Vandermeer and his team, uh, are some of those people. They talk about money all the time. Uh, they'll give you the straight goods uh, mm-hmm. around money. And and I can say that because I know Brent, I know his team, and I know that their, again, their desire is to see you manage the money that you do have well in light of this current uh, environment. So um, looking for a little help from Crosspoint, crosspointfinancial.ca, info at crosspointfinancial.ca. Mm CA is their contact. Uh, They're here in Ottawa, but I'm sure if you're not in that part of the country, uh, they certainly will be able to to help you out one way or another. So there you go. Okay, so I got the idea for today's show from an Unleashed session. Now, not all of you know what Unleashed is, but Unleashed is a set of workshops we do with some of our coaching clients, and it's a 12-month, 13-month experience, once a month in a small group on Zoom. Uh, We meet and we do workshops. We talk about uh, our money stories, purpose, commitment. We talk about our appetites and longings, what kind of worldview is out there and influencing our purchasing power. Um, We talk about greed, envy, coveting, comparing. We talk about stewardship and giving and generosity. So I actually, um, uh, the last stewardship session I did just a month or two ago with one of the groups, I, I was going through the scripture and I thought this would be a great thing to read to Dave and then quiz him on on the air and to talk about what a faithful steward looks like and then I'm going to have um, give a quick if we have time we're going to talk about uh, an example of a really poor steward um, from a character in Lord of the Rings because you guys know if you listen to me I like you know good coffee a good book and Lord of the Rings as well. We'll put those in the top good three. Good story. Maybe okay, we stu- get, okay. We'll just put story. that. So Lord of the Rings is a good story. So I use I use this character from the Lord of the Rings when we teach about stewardship. And the last time I ta- we taught about this talked about this in the workshop, I'm like, oh my goodness, there are so many aha moments for some of us based on his poor stewardship example. So I'm hoping we'll get to that. So I'm going to read this from the message. Okay, I then- want to put a disclaimer here. <laughs> So this is uh, let's let's test Dave with Reb uh, show where you know I have quite honestly I have no, no idea con- he has no idea what, what I'm, Reb is going to ask me because he he doesn't know how I've changed this workshop so he hasn't been in it so he knows lots about stewardship but based on this scripture what does it say a faithful steward is mm-hmm. and he has to listen really carefully and then I'll hand him the scripture so if he forgets um, I might I might give him some I, prompts. 
Okay, so I'm reading from the message because the message, you know, when you read scripture and you're used to hearing it, NIV, whatever your favorite is, but then you hear it in a different interpretation or translation, it makes you stand up and think, oh, is that really what the word of God says? Or, oh, I've never thought about it like that. So listen up. This is from Luke 12, 35 to 48. And if you're listening to this and you have a pen and paper, or your journal, or um, listen, see what jumps out at you. So, so... um you know, sometimes I ask the Spirit of God, you know, Spirit, speak to me. What do you want me to learn out of uh, out of what I'm reading today? And something will jump out. So I imagine that's going to happen for David when I read it. But keep your shirts on, Luke 12, 35 to 48. Keep your shirts on, keep the lights on, be like house servants waiting for their master to come back from his honeymoon, awake and ready to open the door when he arrives and knocks. Lucky the servants whom the master finds on watch. He'll put on an apron, sit them at the table and serve them a meal, sharing his wedding feast with them. It doesn't matter what time of the night he arrives, they're awake and so blessed. You know that if the house owner had known what night the burglar was coming, he wouldn't have stayed out late and left the place unlocked. So don't you be slovenly and careless. Just when you don't expect him, the son of man will show up. Peter said, to Jesus. Master, are you telling this story just for us or is it for everybody? (laughs) The master said, let me ask you, who is the dependable manager full of common sense that the master puts in charge of his staff to feed them well and on time? He is a blessed man. If the master shows up, he's when that when he shows up, he's doing his job. But is but if this man says to himself, the master is certainly taking his time. He begins mistreating the servants and maids, throws parties for his friends, gets drunk, and then the master will walk in when he least expects it, give him the thrashing of his life, and put him back in the kitchen peeling potatoes. The servant who knows what his master wants and ignores it or insolently does whatever he pleases will be thoroughly thrashed. But if he does a poor job through ignorance, he'll get off with a slap on the hand. Great gifts mean great responsibilities, greater gifts, greater responsibilities. So my question, do you have from this scripture reading from Mm. what Jesus said, what Mm. are some qualities of a faithful steward? Well, I like the title right off the get go watchfulness, right? Uh, I mean, I think if I can back up and and maybe just put some context around the word steward, yes, because that's a good idea. the reality is it's not really a word that, that we do or understand um, very well here in our North American culture, simply because we we actually don't we, we're all building our own kingdom. Right. Mm-hmm. So in, in in this culture, it is about Dave's kingdom. It's about Reb's kingdom. It's about whoever's kingdom. And so you're building your own kingdom and you're the master of your own kingdom. And what Jesus is saying and what the model within Scripture is, is that, um, you know what, we're really to be, a, be about stewarding God's kingdom. And again, we just have to go back to Genesis and, and hear the words of God to Adam and Eve saying, listen, I've given you all the tools, I've given you all the, the equipment that you need to rule over and, and steward this earth, and in fact, I'm also giving you me, like relationship with me, the God who created this earth, so that you can steward it well. And so, in a lot of ways, you know, when we talk about good stewardship, going back to these verses, you know, a steward, first of all, knows his position, right? He knows 
exactly where his limitations are. He knows what he should be doing. Um, uh, Stewart knows uh, in a lot of ways what he what he's about day by day. He wakes up in the morning and he goes, all right, so these are the tasks. These are the things that are going to um, care for the whether it's the you want to say responsibilities that i've been giving maybe you say you know you can use a metaphor the vineyard that i've been taking you know the part of the world that is mine to care for because uh, again, sometimes as stewards, we start caring for other people's vineyards. We start caring for <laughs> other people's stuff. <laughs> Just a little side note so, there, right? So, 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 in a practical sense, we're looking at you know the family we've been given, the home we have, the jobs we have, relationships, all of that. We we are stewarding, but sometimes we poke our fingers in other people's. Right. And, and I just think, you know, again, the, the last couple um, of, of maybe phrase of that whole passage says, you know, to, for everyone who's been given a lot, much is expected. And for, again, as a steward, we remember that everything that we're given, the responsibility, the, the, the vineyard, if I can use that again, that picture, you know, some of us have a real small vineyard and that's okay. There's, you know, that's just what God's given us to manage. Some of us have a much greater influence, a much greater vineyard that we're in. And, and so we have a greater responsibility to steward that. And, and guess what? There are different tools. They're, they're different. Uh, again, I, I like the idea of this vineyard of, or, or uh, you know, that if I have a really small vineyard, then I might be able to manage it with one servant, with one person helping me, right? Uh, if I have a very large vineyard, I have to think about it different because I can't do all the work. Okay, but so I'm I, I just watched a video my sister sent, posted it about Martha Stewart's Thornhill. I think it's Thornhill. Ah, it's not Thornhill. It's the property she brought it, bought in 1971. Wait a minute, you're not allowed to look at the verses. You oh, just you're I'm you. Just going from yeah, okay. see, he's got his phone in here and he's already reading the scripture. I wanted you to tell me from what I read what jumped out at you. Well, anyway, that's, that's what I'm reading. Just, you know, reminding me of. The I don't scripture. know. Are you guys? Maybe if I had a live call and show, they'd tell me whether you're cheating or not. Anyway, um, but Martha Stewart has this. If you go on, she gives a four minute. You can Google it. it a four minute. Um, description of how they took their property in 1971, I think. It was just one old farmhouse and her and her husband started learning about how to redo everything. So they, But if you look at her place, I'm thinking, no way did she do that by herself. Mm. Like, she is stewarding the land. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's amazing. The learning and the learning she's still doing and it just, it's, it's, a, it's a testimony of her tenacity perseverance and love of all things that grow but there is no way that she did it without resources or without people because sure uh, anyway we so she would, would in stewarding that property like it was just like you were saying you know do you hire someone to help you do it now i'm saying that did anything jump out at you about what a faithful steward. So you said a steward or a, a woman steward, female or male, we're not just talking he, um, is watchful. That person knows her position, knows her limitations, knows what she's about, um, that she's not stewarding her own stuff, but someone else's. I, I think it's really important. Uh, and the thing that jumped out at me right at the beginning was simply that the master or that that. The master had given responsibility. I don't know if you use the word master, but the master yeah. had given mm-hmm. responsibility yeah. to that person. And and so, again, there, there's just 
recognizing two things. One is, is that it's not yours. It's the master's. As a, as a steward, if we, you know, look at that definition, you are just simply caring for it, but you're caring for it like it's your own because you want the master to come back and there is an accounting that happens when the master comes back. And again, that's down near the end of the verse, uh, verses that you, you read, Reb, that say, okay, so the master comes back and how is he going to find that steward what is he doing so there's 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 this but you know what's interesting about this story mm-hmm. is that i just think we like are we so simple minded that we think well we're getting away with it now god's not returning is jesus really coming back all those questions that we might have that it's just such a distant it's this thing we read in scripture you know and I think, but he's with us every day. He's in us. So why aren't we being as attentive in the in the care of what he's given us as if he is here today with us, as if he is, we are answering to him because we are. And I don't mean it in a sense that he's your master. I mean, in this, in this um, message, he, Peter calls him master mm-hmm. and we have a negative connotation about that, but we're saying, you know what, he he's he's the boss it's it's his and i think frankly i've had a hard time over the years really grasping the fact that my house isn't mine that my kids aren't mine and i'm constantly trying to release because i know what's true that he holds all things in his hands psalm 24 says the earth is the lord's and all that is within you know and we talk about this in in religious Mm -hmm. christianity Mm -hmm. and we say yes yes it's all god's but when i look at how i live my life is it actually a belief that's reflected in my actions and my care am i actually just throwing parties saying he's not coming back really my actions are just saying oh well who cares i'll just live for myself or am I actually living for him? And these are questions I'm asking as I read this passage. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't so know. In the, have... But in the context of the steward, I mean, uh, and in the context of this passage, there are a couple of really cool things that 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 are, are pointed at. One is is that um, the master has an expectation, and and the expectation actually leads to life. Everybody's cared for. Everybody's working. Everybody's kind of managing that. That in a sense, there's um, there's peace in the house. Uh, and and then when you look at okay, so then the 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 steward being the bad steward, what does he do? He abuses people. He he has parties that are self centered. You know, uh, I forget exactly what the context is, but he gets drunk and 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 kind of looking at it like. Okay, so now the household is in crisis, is in chaos, is in uh, again. This is this is part of the heart of God. Is is saying, listen, I actually want my household. If if I'm giving you a, a piece of this world to steward, I actually want it to lead to life, to lead to peace, to to, to reflect the character of God. And so the good steward knows his master. And knows the the expectation that his master would have. He knows what a the household is going to be to look like, and he works towards that. Right, the right. good steward works towards that. The poor steward, 
on the flip side. Okay, wait, 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 wait. We don't. I'm going to. I know. Poor Stuart. We're going to talk about the poor Stuart in the example because we have uh, a a few minutes left, and I want to talk about Denethor. Mm -hmm. And if you are a Lord of the Rings lover, great. If you aren't, I'll explain to you in a quick uh, synopsis. Um, The steward of Gondor is is a steward that um, is an inherited position, kind of like a king, and the stewards were inherited one generation after the other. So Denethor was the 26th reigning ruling steward of Gondor. And he... Um, now, Gondor, just to put context, Gondor is one of the main capitals of the... Of Middle-earth. Middle-earth, the man... And, and man. they're waiting the king. But the king hasn't been around for a long time. And actually, they've gotten to a point where they're wondering whether the king's ever going to step back in, whether there's really... Uh, an a, heir. An heir to that throne. So in the meantime, they're trying to do their do- job. Denethor has been described through the book Noble, Powerful... Um, he he was a lord. He was proud, tall, wise, far-sighted, valiant. He was a warrior. He was more kingly than some of his predecessors, and he proved to be a masterful lord and a great ruler. Now, Denethor comes from a long line of stewards. He was watching over Gondor in this kingdom. He guarded the land from evil. He was doing that, hopefully, until the king returned. They had waited a long time, but they never saw the king. They didn't see any hope that the uh, that a king from the line of Isildur would sit on there again. And through events that come, when the evil starts encroaching on the land of Middle-earth, Denethor um, starts listening to other voices. He believes there's no hope. He begins to grow disturbed. He gets obsessed with the lies of the enemy. And he actually has this seeing stone. And he can look into it and he sees destruction. But this seeing stone is sourced really through the greatest evil in the land at the time. And he doesn't heed the wise counsel of those who walk in truth. And he refuses to lead his people in the fight. And in fact, he's grieving over the loss of one son and sends another into battle. Um, It seems hoping for his death. So if I look at the quality of this guy, he's not listening to the right voice and he believes the lies. He forgets the battles of the past that were fought and won that he was a part of. He gives in to despair. He stops standing and leading and he stops fighting. He gives his stewardship role over to no one. He doesn't see that he's falling apart. Of course, we seldom do. He doesn't say, you know what, son, why don't you be the steward now? Because I'm just not, I'm not doing well. Mm. He just stops taking care of what has been given him to take care of even his own family he has so much grief and despair in his heart that he refuses to listen he refuses to stand he refuses to fight he refuses to remember that that life is hard and that sometimes it takes a fight he refuses to fight for what's good even if he senses that evil is going to win he he's he's not stewarding gondor any longer he's just given up and i guess this example to me is so powerful because because is is that where we find ourselves some days? Where we're just, oh, the king's not returning. I'm so tired of all this, especially in COVID and the pandemic. I'm not thinking clearly. Like, I'm just going to give in to s- despair. It's like he leaves his post. And, yeah. and 
if we can do anything as a good steward, even when we're struggling with despair, even when we're, we don't know if we're doing it right, even though those inner voices can be negative sometimes, don't leave your post. And you can say to the Lord, I may not be getting this right today, but I'm not leaving my post. I'm standing firm because this is what you've given me. In my family, there are things that are falling apart, maybe. In my finances, there are things that are falling apart. Lord, lead me because I feel like I'm falling apart, but I'm not going to leave my post. I've committed myself to taking care of what you've given me. Yeah, and I think, you know, if we just go right back to that Luke uh, 12 chapter that you read, you know, the 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 steward that knows his master's and and it's not just his master's will but knows his master you know denethor over all the generations slowly over the generations there was like as a steward they were serving a king and the king was absent for a very long time and they they began to go well the steward the king's not coming back and then you start making it up on your own. And we do that all the time. We start making it up. on The <laughs> yeah, servant knows his master's will. And this is okay. So if Because you, he knows the master. Because he knows the master. And so, yeah. again, Denethor d- loses sight of, of, of the true, his true position as a steward to the kings of Gondor and then gets, loses hope. And he says, well really, I don't know who I'm serving anymore, and is looking for a king. He's looking for someone else to serve. And you know, that's so important that we know that you that's the key, that we know the one that we're representing. We know the owner. We know the one. And the great part is, for us, Denethor couldn't call up the king and talk to him. He didn't even know who he's waiting for. Now, Denethor could have went back into the annals of, yeah, of, of the history of Gondor and, and went, you know, what was, you know, how did we serve those kings? He could go back i mean right he, that's know, the part he, of him he, remembering he, he could have mm-hmm. he he didn't and how many times do we do that you know where we go thank the lord that he, he he wrote it down in the bible that we have a you know something that we can grab a hold of read that is accessible to us in so many different formats and really it's it's to show us the will of the father who is god who is christ how does the holy spirit interact with the world today and mm-hmm. how can i apply that to where my right. little plot yeah. that I have been given to steward, mm-hmm. or my big plot that I've been given to steward, whatever the size of the plot is, is Doesn't irrelevant. Matter. It's no. the will of the Father that is so important. And so, you know, when we come to the end of the show, you know, what does a good steward look like? What does a bad steward look like? I, I think in a lot of ways, it's about where is the focus for that steward? Is, is, you know, do we know the will of the Father? And if we don't, then we need to, to to get ourselves back into the place and and uh, you know that's that's really so the I goal. guess that's the homework if you find that you're struggling with this um, maybe reset yourself with God mm-hmm. Lord I just thank you for this time and that uh, these conversations go so fast I just pray for us for David and I and for the listeners Lord that we would reset and recalibrate to knowing you if we fail we're feel we're struggling in this area of taking care of what you've given us lord i pray that um uh we would still stand even that we're still we can still say to you lord i'm committed to this i'm struggling but i want to know you more lord please help us in this i pray in jesus name 
Well, thanks for the test, Reb. Really appreciate that. Um, I guess you, the listener, can figure out if I passed or not. He so. had a cheat sheet okay. with his Bible I had the Bible in front, in front of me. Of me. So. Yeah, he Shucks cheated. a cheat sheet. Uh, I don't know. I think this is... A, anyways, we won't go there. I want to thank uh, you, the listener, for listening. And uh, if you need, would like to find more podcasts, find them on a, your, your favorite podcasting platform. We're on Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, um, YouTube, all those places in terms of the podcast. want to thank uh, Crosspoint Financial, uh, Brent Vandermeer and his team for sponsoring the show. Uh, just thank you so much for that and I want to thank you for joining us and join us next week when we talk money Let's Talk Money is a division of More Than Enough Financial Fitness where God is transforming hearts and bringing hope for today and freedom for tomorrow for more information or to comment on today's show please visit morethanenough.ca